Money FM 89.3. Best of your money. Market View on Money FM 89.3. U.S. stocks suffered their worst day in four months overnight, rising COVID-19 infection numbers across the globe, as well as new lockdowns in Europe prompted the sell-off. The Dow Jones Industrial Average fell more than 900 points, or 3.4%. Tech stocks did even worse. The S&P 500 suffered a loss of more than 3% as well. Closer to home, Asia-Pacific markets are also in the red. Sydney and Seoul are both trading down about 1.3%. Tokyo is down 0.8%. Joining me now as we discuss what is behind the sell-off is Ryan Huang. How's today? Looking it's Thursday, 29th day of October. It seems like every day it gets busier somehow. Yeah, Halloween around the corner. I know you have kids. Uh, Do they dress up for Halloween? Yeah, we are going to dress up Mm. as a ladybug. Because that is a favorite cartoon character right now. That is adorable. Are you dressing up? Yeah, always. <laughs> Once I went as an inverted yield curve. Oh, my. what does it look like? Uh, a lot of graph paper. <laughs> That is scary. All right. Okay. uh, The S&P 500 fell for the third straight session. It's on track for its biggest weekly decline since March. Think back for a moment to what was taking place in March. Hard to miss on a graph. Uh, That is when markets plunge in reaction to strict lockdowns that were taking place across the globe, of course. So I'm not saying that history is repeating itself. Let's hope it doesn't. But is the explanation for this market sell-off, the one that we're seeing right now, as simple as that? COVID cases go up and markets go down. Yeah, I think that is a very good question because for a long time, we've seen markets bounce back from its March lows and it was pricing in a lot of hope around the vaccine, around the recovery coming back. And then now, I think reality is starting to creep back in that we are going to go through this for a longer time than expected. You are now seeing this really play out in Europe. Places like Germany and France are imposing lockdowns. And this could be the case for other European countries as well, which are seeing record number of cases, the likes of Italy, the likes of Spain. So all of that could just spiral downwards. And we talked about how um, the markets dropped overnight. And this was a 3% drop for all three, at least 3% for all three major indices. So this is setting up for the worst week since March and it has erased all the gains for the S&P 500 and the Nasdaq. And if you look at what happened, it was across the board. Even the work-from-home stocks were hit. So the likes of Amazon, Shopify, and Zoom Video was also hit. So it is really a flight to safety from stocks. So COVID numbers reaching a new peak in the US. Stimulus talks between Congress and White House have stalled. France and Germany have declared lockdowns of varying degrees. And as you mentioned, not only are stocks under pressure, but the price of oil dropped more than 5% overnight as well. So are there signs of any safe havens? I mean, where are investors putting their money? Okay, there's some movement into bonds, but I think the larger uh, movement has been into safe haven currencies. If you look at what's happening for the Japanese Japanese yen, that is up 0.1% versus the US dollar, its strongest levels in seven months. And if you look at the US dollar, that safe haven currency also getting some traction. Uh, It 
saw its largest one-day percentage gain since mid-September. It's up 0.5% to a reading on the dollar index of around 93.4. So for the week, it is up 0.9%. So dollar versus Sing dollar now at 1.364. Travel-related stocks were particularly hard hit, and maybe that's no surprise. Shares of cruise line operators, Carnival and Norwegian, they tumbled about 10%. And we're also seeing signs of how the pandemic is affecting earnings. Fewer people traveling has taken a bite out of MasterCard's profits. And Boeing, the world's largest maker of airplanes, is reporting a big loss for the third quarter of the year. So tell us, Ryan, what is Boeing doing to stem this bleeding? (laughs) Yeah, so let's walk through the losses first. It is the fourth straight quarterly loss. And you are looking at a net loss of $466 $466 million in the third quarter. So that swings from a profit of $1.2 billion a year ago. So markets, um, well, looking at how shares did, it was down 4.6%. But if you bear in mind, it was amid a broader market sell-off. What it is doing to, I guess, try to revive its fortunes or to help stem the bleeding, mm-hmm. it is cutting jobs. And it has announced it will cut another 7,000 jobs. So all in, It is around, on top of what it has already announced, it Mm -hmm. will cut 30,000 jobs by the end of next year. So it will be targeting a um, workforce level of 130,000. Before the COVID-19 pandemic, it was around 160,000. Away from Wall Street, Ryan, the chief executives of Google, Twitter and Facebook all appeared before a U.S. Senate committee overnight to answer questions about Section 230 of the U.S. Communications Act. Now, that is a piece of legislation that protects tech companies from liability over what users post or what companies take down. Any changes to this law could have widespread implications for the Internet. So... How did Twitter's Jack Dorsey, Google's Sundar Pichai and Facebook's Mark Zuckerberg respond to the grilling? Okay, I will just sum it up. And (laughs) they are for free speech and they don't want to be censoring anyone unnecessarily. So uh, it is a very difficult topic and very complicated. So this um, internet law uh, right now protects these platforms from any liabilities for carrying any... Uh, comments that may not be favorable, that may be hateful. So they are just seen as distributors. But then uh, there comes a question of where do you draw the line? Because you also have fake news. So how do you manage that? And this is what the session is trying to do. But it has come under fire for a few reasons because of the timing of it. And you have the Republican Senator Ted Cruz really slamming Twitter CEO Jack Dorsey um, because I think um, partly in response to how Twitter has been censoring or flagging some of Donald Trump's tweets. Mm. And this is also being flagged as a, I guess, one of the Democrats has said is a bit of a sham because it is just positioning the Republicans in a more favorable light ahead of the U.S. election. So there's a bit of, well, not just grilling of the tech CEOs, but also a bit of partisan political showdown happening overnight. So it is likely to be long drawn out, but end of the day, it is likely to mean higher costs for these tech companies who have to invest in moderating Mm. and managing its platforms for comments and content. 
And that is a great summary of what was what was really a political scuffle. And if, at the heart of things, all three CEOs agree that companies should be liable if the platforms uh, provide the role of what publishing platforms do. But at the same time, they don't want to be referees of a political speech. That is a tough line to walk. So how does that pan out in reality? All right, shifting gears, China's going to release two major policy blueprints today, a five-year plan and a longer strategy document that stretches all the way till 2035. So the plans have been drafted amid heightened tensions with the U.S. as well as the pandemic economy. What are investors expecting? Okay, so this is um, going to be one to watch because of the timing of it. It's right after what's happening with COVID-19 and just well amid the U.S.-China tensions. So it is mm. doing what's focusing on what's called a dual circulation strategy. So it is trying to focus on improving the quality of domestic demand. So that means investing more to look at how industries can grow and making sure its supply chain can, well, not be reliant too much on other countries such as the US and also looking at how some of these as, as social policies can improve to let its labour market be more productive and be more mobile for example moving across states being able to buy property more easily um, maybe just having more babies so things like that to improve domestic demand and it's quite an interesting year for China because mm. while the rest of the year, rest of the world is um, going through quite a bit of a slowdown in terms of growth China is bucking the trend. It's bouncing back from the COVID-19 pandemic with some strong growth numbers. So this is going to be one to watch for foreign investors in terms of where they could potentially invest in and things like climate change will be some of the key topics, what it's going to do in terms of technology innovation Mm -hmm. and how it might potentially reform its industries such as the finance industry to more foreign investment or competition. Also in China today, nearly a thousand firms are due to release their quarterly earnings. So if you think that's a big number, listen to this. They have a total market value of 2.8 trillion US dollars. Here at home, the MAS, Monetary Authority of Singapore, is warning that it may take longer for Singapore to recover from the economic slowdown than from past recessions. Mm. MAS saying that the pace of recovery will be moderate in the quarters ahead. That is forcing many companies to innovate. And one example of that is Ryan's former home, (laughs) Zook. So what is Singapore's most famous nightclub trying out now? Yeah, so now when you say let's go to Zook, it is going to take on a different meaning (laughs) because it is pivoting somewhat to become a cinema. So it's a pop-up cinema. It's called the Zook Cinema Club. It will open in November. Hmm. And this is going to be... What it's trying to do is to make it a more immersive cinema experience. It will dress up the um, atmosphere or its um, decor with something that will do or relate to the theme of the of the uh, movie. So what's coming up in November is a title called For the Love of Music. So it will have around the hall the cobalt streets of Paris, the famous Red Mill of the Moulin Rouge Cabaret. Mm. So it is also, I guess, trying to maximize its space right now because you can't go clubbing. And one of the ways is to pivot to a new business. So movies, if you are up for that, is something you can try to check out at um, Zook. So table packages at $75 for one to two people on Wednesday. So that includes a jug of house pour spirits. 
And this is on top of what it has previously done to pivot to other businesses. It's also had a restaurant mm. at its capital lounge when it opened a capital kitchen. And also it has been running daily spin classes with Absolute Cycle. So it is trying out a few things. And I think, uh, like you pointed out, um, what's happening with the economy is forcing a lot of businesses to think out of the box. Absolutely. All right, let's check in on local markets now. The STI fell more than 1% yesterday, blowing past support at the 2500 level. The STI finished at 2483. So how's it doing this morning? Is it steady or falling further? Yeah, so we are off the back of a three-day losing streak and the STI last, yesterday closing at near five-week lows. And going by the leads we've been getting overnight, it is pretty much drifting lower. It's down by 0.6%, 2,467. And yesterday, we had losses led by the banks, led by DBS down 2%. And looking at some of the top movers so far, uh, looking at the banks, it is still loading. It is down, down by 1.3%, extending yesterday's losses. UOB down by 0.7% and OCBC underwater by 0.1%. So that's the picture we have pretty much weighed down by everything in the news. He's Ryan Wong, I'm Michelle Martin, and you've been listening to Market View. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download the SPH Radio app available on Google Play or the App Store.